Good morning, Graceway. Today is Wednesday, October 2nd, and this is Charles from the Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. And this is Amelia. Today we'll continue our journey through Mark's Gospel with Mark 5, 21 through 43. We'll read from the NRSV, but you can follow along in any version you'd like. Amelia, do you want to read the passage? I would love to read the passage. Mark 5, 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, A great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people from the leader's house came to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered... He said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So, Amelia, what do you think of this story? Story? Aren't there really two stories? The passage starts off with Jairus begging Jesus to heal his daughter. Jesus heads off with him, but then Mark tells another story about Jesus healing the woman with the flow of blood. Then the story about Jesus and Jairus' daughter picks up again. Yeah, that's a good point. Mark sandwiches one story within another. This is actually something Mark does a lot. In fact, Mark is unique among the Gospels for using this literary style so frequently. In the passage you just read, I think it's a really clever way of providing a sense of the passage of time between Jesus leaving with Jairus and then finally arriving at his house. It also makes the story more dramatic. Jairus started by just asking Jesus to heal his daughter's illness. 
But because Jesus paused to heal the woman, he slowed down. Maybe that's why Jairus' daughter dies. Healing Jairus' daughter now looks pointless, but Jesus tells him not to fear, but only believe. Once Jesus arrives at Jairus' house, no one thinks he can do anything to help the girl. This highlights how amazing Jesus' miracle is. He doesn't just heal the girl, he raises her from the dead. Yeah, that's another really good point, actually. Mark emphasizes that the people who see Jesus raise her from the dead are overcome with amazement. This connects with what I said on Monday's podcast about Jesus stilling the storm. Awe and amazement, those are characteristic responses to a miraculous display of divine power in the Old Testament. Just like in that story, Mark is here emphasizing the power, the divine power that Jesus displays. And that's not the only parallel between this story and the stilling of the storm. Jesus commands the storm to be still, and then it obeys. Here, Jesus commands the little girl to get up, and then she does. In both stories, Jesus has authority over nature. I was actually thinking about that, because on Monday you said that Jesus' stilling of the storm functions to introduce the next couple of stories. Yeah, that's right. But Jesus' healing of the woman with the hemorrhage is different. Jesus doesn't say anything to heal her. She touches him. Mark does say that Jesus knows power has gone out of him, but Jesus doesn't seem to be in control of the situation. There's also no emphasis on people being awestruck. Sure, but Jesus does say that the woman stands in fear and trembling. That's a little ambiguous. Is she afraid because she's been found out or because of what's happened to her? Maybe a little both? Another point, though, is that it's easy to miss what would have been so amazing about this story for a Jew in Jesus' time. The woman's flow of blood would make her ceremonially impure or defiled according to the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament, ritualistic impurity spreads by contact. So if you're ritualistically clean and I'm impure and then I touch you, you become defiled too? Yeah, right. But there's no hint Jesus becomes defiled when the woman touches him. In fact, it goes the other way. It seems pretty clear that when Jesus tells her to go in peace and be healed, he's restoring her to wholeness and so to ritualistic purity. That's part of what's amazing about Jesus. His holiness is not defiled by other people's uncleanliness. Instead, his holiness spreads to cleanse other people's defilement. I think this theme, which shows up a lot in the Gospels actually, ties to earlier stories in Mark where Jesus claims to have authority over the Sabbath and other Old Testament ceremonial laws. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure about saying that the woman is afraid because of the miracle that happened to her, though. I mean, isn't that why she went to Jesus in the first place? But it would be pretty mortifying to be called out by Jesus in front of everybody, especially if she's religiously unclean. That would mean she's an outcast and everyone would look down on her. Yeah, that's fair. But it does seem really important that even though she is afraid, Jesus says she has faith. Fear and faith show up together again when Jesus talks to Jairus right after he learns his daughter died. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. And in the passage you talked about on Monday, Jesus asks the disciples why they're so afraid and don't have faith. Actually, fear and faith show up juxtaposed throughout Mark. It's part of his theme about the different ways people respond to Jesus. To be honest, though, 
I've never really understood the emphasis on fear. Oh, really? I find it relatable. Jesus is kind of a scary dude. We talk about him in church like he's so mild and gentle because he died for us and shows us grace and stuff. But Jesus is actually going around casting out demons and fighting with religious leaders, flipping over tables. He's got all this power and holiness, and he's perfect. That's really intimidating if you think about it. So I find it encouraging that Jesus basically acknowledges this when he reminds people not to be afraid and instead to trust or believe in him. Hmm. That's interesting. I'd never thought of it that way. But that ties nicely with my favorite part of these stories, actually. Mark shows how Jesus has a lot of compassion for these people who are really suffering. Mark says that Jairus begged Jesus to heal his daughter. Jairus is really desperate for his help. And the same is true of the woman who is bleeding. I think Mark includes the detail about how she's bled for 12 years and spent all of her on, money on doctors who have only made it worse to make us sympathize with her in the same way Jesus does. That's my favorite part of Mark. I think he does the best job of all of the Gospels portraying its characters as really human and vulnerable. And so, highlighting Jesus' compassion for them. Well, I think there's something even deeper going on. Jairus is the head of the local synagogue, so he's this religiously powerful guy with a lot of social status, and on top of all that, he's a man in a patriarchal society. Jesus pauses his trip to help Jairus and talks to this no-name woman who is socially marginalized, and she's also religiously impure. By the standards of Jesus' day, she's a nobody, maybe even worse than a nobody, but Jesus interrupts everything to bless her and praise her for her faith. That totally upends who people would think that Jesus should hang out with and prioritize. Jesus' love did that in his day, and it should do it in ours too. Oh, dang, Amelia, preach. Yeah, well, we're over time. <laughs> she just drops the mic. Okay, Graceway, that's it for today. Join us again on Friday for Mark chapter 6. This is Charles. And this is Amelia, signing out.